Welcome, it's indisputable, good to be with you. We got a lot of show today, all right. Breaking down news of the day, we have Mr. Jackson White, co-founder, editor-in-chief, Politoscope, TYT Rebel HQ creator. And in the bullpen, Mr. Reed Cooley, policy fellow, Independent Institute. We're gonna talk about the US Constitution, the shortcomings therein. First story of the day, Chris Rock, Chris Rock, is reported to have hired a major law firm to perhaps sue not only Will Smith, but also the Oscars. Now, everyone knows about the slap heard around the world. Will Smith was completely 100% out of line. And there's a penalty for actions like that. So let's talk about this potential penalty. According to a report, Chris Rock, the comedian, the comedian, He slapped at the Oscars to please his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, has reportedly hired a top New York City law firm, probably to sue him for that hefty and embarrassing slap. Now I've heard this routinely that Chris Rock can sue. Well, it's not that simple. You have to sue for things. For example, you have to sue for, let's say damages. Well, damages in a court must be proven. You must prove that you lost money because of the action of the other individual. Well, in this case, Chris Rock has actually gained money based on the current reports. That Chris Rock now has a higher ticket sale average after the slap than before, okay? All right, Uh, MTO News claims that Chris Rock is now a new client of a law firm that has handled some of the biggest lawsuits in the history of this country, including matters involving Google, the NFL, and Microsoft. There's more. This move could signal that Chris is exploring a potential lawsuit against Will Smith, the Academy Awards, or both. Now, how can the Academy Awards be involved in the lawsuit when they are not the ones who engaged in the physical combat? Well, here's how, a few ways. Number one, it's called negligent security. Negligent security is a legal claim. Number two, you have premises liability, all right? I do find it quite ironic that the Academy Awards, they had no protocol in place, no security protocol for somebody rushing the stage. That is typically a basic security measure when you have an insurance policy connected to a major event. I've done major events, I've done concerts, I've hosted big galas. There's always a security plan that must be submitted for the insurance company to insure that event. It always includes the potential of somebody going on the stage and harassing a participant of the event. So there may be something there is my point, there's more. The law firm insider told MTO News, Chris was in the office meeting with partners from the litigation team. While the insider couldn't say for certain what Chris discussed with the lawyers, the insider thinks it was a big deal, the tipster added whatever. They were saying it was big given the number of lawyers at the meeting. Let's go to a Beverly Hills attorney, Adam Michael Sachs said both Smith and the award show were at risk of being embroiled in legal action. Rock could sue Will for public humiliation and embarrassment. He could say the assault hurt his confidence and career. Chris could even sue the Academy as a performer on stage. He could argue he should have been protected, which I agree. I think that's a justifiable argument that has successfully been made 
by many individuals in a similar circumstance. Even people in the audience of a major event, they have successfully made that legal claim. There's more. Jim Carrey, remember when everything first happened, Jim Carrey came out quickly and said, and I quote, I have announced this morning that I was suing Will for 200 million because that video is going to be there forever. Okay, and he's right, it will be there forever. And this may be the reason, possibly, perhaps, why Chris Rock has decided not to engage in a lot of comedic routine or talk about it transparently. He simply mentioned it during one of his routines, but then that did not go into detail. If he has lawyered up, there's your reason why. All right, so let me pose the question to everybody who will see this and to my dear brother. Do you think it is a good move for Chris Rock to sue either A, Will Smith, B, the Academy, or perhaps A and B? I mean, honestly, there's no reason for him to not go after A and B if he can in whatever you know strategic way that he sees a path forward. But at the end of the day, I think what's important to gain from this for the most part is that whether Chris puts together a successful lawsuit or not, the repercussions of what Will did are going to be forevermore, especially within Will's life. And all of this really came about not just because of you know the personal issues he has in his life, but you know he and his family decided to publicly put their business online in such fashion that it was a business model and it came back around. I mean, that's you know where there's smoke, that's there's fire. Everybody's talking about it because that's what's led to this, and so. At the end of the day, him walking up on stage and slapping him was the million and a half option that he had. And so his career is gonna face consequences, his image will. And if Chris Rock puts together a successful lawsuit against him, then he's gonna have to suffer for that as well. So, you know, it's just a bad decision on his part. Yeah, but $200 million, damn, that's an expensive slap. That's a lot, and he wouldn't get that much, but I mean, he'd get some of it. You know what I'm saying? He might get, he might get 75 see, million. Of yeah, it. I see why Jada Smith said yeah. that she was disappointed in Will. Okay. <laughs> right. This story is continuing to make the rounds. Let's put up the picture. This is so interesting. A model has fatally stabbed her black boyfriend, okay? Weeks ago, a white only fans model and social media influencer stabbed and killed her black boyfriend in Miami. Now, the boyfriend, his name is Christian Toby Obinselli, 27 years of age, was stabbed by his white girlfriend, Courtney Taylor. Okay, she's an influencer, popular on Instagram as well. The couple's home was the scene of this, according to a podcast interview that she gave two weeks prior, she said, and I quote, I only date rich black guys, okay? There's more. Taylor was found covered in blood at the scene by Miami police before being detained shortly after her detention. She was hospitalized and put on suicide watch, according to the Atlanta Black Star. A day after the death, she posted content on her OnlyFans page. There's more. She's claiming self-defense, and this story has some twists and turns that must be highlighted. So she's claiming self-defense, all right? Miami PD spokesperson said, and I quote, we know that there was a physical altercation between them before he was stabbed. 
Police said while they were called multiple times since January to the residents concerning domestic disturbances. A neighbor who could see into the couple's apartment from his has a very different account of the disposition of the victim. He said he saw him strike the woman the week before his death saying, I could not tell if it was an open handed or closed handed, but he was swinging at her. But the people who knew the couple claimed something a little different here. According to friends of the couple of both, they said they knew the couple had a volatile relationship, but say they don't believe he was the aggressor in the relationship. Ashley Vaughn said, we've seen her hit him. I've never seen him hit her from what we have personally experienced between both of them. She continued, we believe that Christian would not put her in a position where she would need to stab him to protect herself. There's another person who claims to know Taylor tweeted this. This is from Jenna Lee. I'm concerned nobody is mentioning his girlfriend Courtney Taylor is the one that did it. She gets violent when she's angry and high on drugs. I'm concerned she got out of jail on bail. I'm concerned a white girl would get away with murdering a black man, all right? Um, so right now this story is developing. There's a whole lot of unanswered questions as far as why law enforcement decided to handle this in such a lighthearted manner. This is still a dead individual. You have a what you have one person who's saying, well, this is what really happened. Without video evidence, you actually don't know exactly what happened. And based on some of the context around the narrative, this was a problematic relationship on both ends. At this point, there are movements, there are groups, there are advocacy groups calling for justice, saying that she should be appropriately charged, apprehended, and detained without bond. Um, what are your thoughts, brother? Well, I think you know whatever evidence is found of um, you know violence committed that took his life, she should be you know um, handled by the law accordingly. Um, but overall. You know, I think this is definitely an example of just how bad toxic and abusive relationships really can be. And because, you know, she's of influence, this is within the media. But stuff like this is actually pretty common in terms of just toxic relationships and people growing up in homes. Not necessarily where it gets taken that far, but, you know, her family and friends voiced their concerns about the violence that they saw them commit towards one another, more so, especially her on him. But uh, I mean, bottom line, whatever evidence is found should be used against her. And she, you know, luckily because of platforms like this, she's not just getting swept under the rug. Yeah, and I have questions. I, I do wonder, did they drug test her? Did they interrogate? Um, she does have the option if she would like to, to take a lie detector test. She can actually say, give me a lie detector test and I will take it today. You can actually demand that during an, an interrogation. Uh, but the bare minimum, was she drug tested? Was she tested for alcohol? Was she tested for drugs? And was there any DNA or forensic evidence that absolutely made law enforcement say this person could not have done this without it being self-defense? Those are the questions that I have. All right, this is an update to a story that we reported on not too long ago, remember? The South Carolina firing squad, the, the execution firing squad. Remember, they passed a law allowing P 
people to be killed by way of a firing squad mandate. Many people say, well, doc, that'll never happen. Guess what, they have scheduled their first one, okay? They wasted no time. South Carolina has scheduled its first execution by death, for death by firing squad. Now that corrections officials have updated their facilities to make sure that they can handle shooting someone until they die. The clerk of the state Supreme Court has set an April 29th execution date for Richard Moore. This has a lot of context. Richard Moore is a 57 year old man who has spent more than two decades on death row after he was convicted of killing a store clerk named James Mahotney. This was in Spartanburg. Richard Moore, let's put up his picture. Richard Moore is one of 35 men on the South Carolina's death row. Moore's attorney says she will ask the court to stay the execution. Moore's last scheduled execution in 2020 was delayed after prison officials could not obtain lethal injection drugs, all right? Okay, details on the case of Mr. Moore. During Moore's 2001 trial, prosecutors said Moore entered the store looking for money to support his cocaine habit and got into a dispute with the store clerk who drew a pistol that Moore wrestled away from him. At the time, Moore claimed self-defense after the store clerk grabbed the gun. The store clerk pulled out a second gun and a gunfight ensued. The store clerk shot Moore in the arm and Moore shot the store clerk in the chest. Prosecutor said Moore left a trail of blood through the store as he looked for cash stepping over the clerk. Okay, his appeal lawyers said that because Moore did not bring a gun to the store, he could not have intended to kill someone, which is typically the prerequisite for death penalty. You must have significant malice intent to actually take the life of another person. He has exhausted his federal appeals in 2020 and the state Supreme Court denied another appeal this week. And Associate Justice Kay Hearn, let's put up Kay's picture. All right, Associate Justice Kay Hearn wrote a blunt 14 page dissent to the decision. Judge Hearn wrote the death penalty should be reserved for those who commit the most heinous crimes in our society. And I do not believe Moore's crimes rise to that level. Moore's supporters voiced the same. Now I think it's interesting to pause on this for a moment. Mr. Moore had an addiction. He had an addiction, that's a sickness, that's a mental health disorder. In order to feed this addiction, he committed a crime, okay? To take money that he did not earn, that's a crime. In the midst of that crime, he gets into a fight with the person trying to stop him from committing the crime. He ends up killing that person after he is shot, all right? Facts of the case. Kyle Rittenhouse obtains a firearm illegally goes to another state, gets this firearm and decides to engage in unlawful security, threaten individuals with the gun and say just days before that he would like to murder individuals who are looting, which is against the law as well. That information was not provided for the jury, it was not allowed, but he said it. So you have a Rittenhouse who's armed unlawfully in another state, Engaging in criminal mischief, 
He gets into a tussle and he decides to kill those in front of him. He has no underlying addiction. He does not have a mental health disorder. I'm not saying what Mr. Moore did is legal. I'm saying it was illegal what Mr. Moore did. It was not self-defense what Mr. Moore did, just as it was not self-defense, in my opinion, what Kyle Rittenhouse did. Making a comparison, I got more. So Moore could face between could face a choice between the electric chair and the firing squad, two options available to death row prisoners after legislation altered the state's capital punishment law last year in an effort to work around a decade long pause in executions attributed to the correction agency's inability to procure lethal injection drugs, okay? So literally these folks said, because we cannot obtain the lethal injection drugs, which is required by statute, we're going to change the law so that we can make it easier to kill people. Now, let's talk about the death penalty for just a minute. They say the death penalty is for individuals who would likely commit the crime. It is for them to stop committing that crime. The death penalty has never stopped individuals from committing those crimes. As a matter of fact, in states that have the death penalty for capital murder, those states have a higher capital murder rate. Eight of the nine states that do not, they have a lower capital murder rate. Let's call it what it is, it's revenge. It is revenge, it is state sanctioned murder for the dynamic of revenge. All right, that's all it is. The state corrections agency said last month that it finished developing the protocols for firing squad executions and completed $53,600 in renovations on the death chamber in Columbia, installing a metal chair and restraints with that faces a wall with a rectangular opening 15 feet away. You mean to tell me we got plenty of money in our states to create death chambers and you still got homeless people? You still got hungry folk, you still cutting budgets for free lunch. But you got plenty of money to renovate a a building to kill somebody. In the case of the firing squad execution, three volunteer shooters, all corrections department employees will have loaded rifles with live ammunition with their weapons trained on the inmate's heart. A hood will be placed over the head of the inmate who will be given the opportunity to make a last statement before they are shot until they die. Sounds cruel and unusual, does it not? Doesn't the Constitution say something about that? Interesting, isn't it? Jackson, thoughts here. I think that was, um, you know, really brilliantly pointed out how you said it's really just about revenge, and this all boils back to, you know, what we talk about often is just culture and the power of social symbolism and how people really, really work and what we're really fighting for in our political involvement and what we really work to strengthen and empower our communities is to change people's perceptions. Not just of themselves, but of others, because it leads to things like this. Kyle Rittenhouse falls under the umbrella of perception that he is an innocent kid who has a future ahead of him. While Exhibit B, you know, oh, he's lived his life, he's just, eh, whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we see this over and over and over again. And you learn this type of stuff even just in everyday life, like as you get older, like just effectiveness of people. Again, power of culture and perception, like the under, you know, like body language. What you say versus what you don't say, how you carry yourself, all of that is more powerful 
than you know any of the words that we really put in. So the power of culture and perception is really what we're fighting to change because this is the result of it. You make a hell of a point and I've said it another way that culture eats policy alive every day. We talk about transforming policy, but if you do not transform the connected culture, that culture will eat the new policy up seven days a week. We got more on the other side, it's indisputable stick and stay. Welcome back, all right, we still got a lot of show left. Let me remind everyone of these few things before I go to the comments. Every day, the watch list, subscribe to the watch list, Monday through Friday, that's 9 a.m. Pacific time, 12 p.m. Eastern time. J.R. Jackson, the big homie, breaks down news you should be paying attention to. YouTube.com forward slash watch list TYT. Follow on Facebook.com forward slash watch list TYT. News, politics, culture, current events, sports, and more. It is a fascinating show. All right. Also, membership. Resistance against the establishment is a constant battle, but we need you. We always need you. Become part of TYT's progressive change machine and help facilitate positive change in the world by becoming a member at tyt.com forward slash change. Canvas 2022 midterm elections are fast approaching. We know the mainstream media, they'll blow it, but we will not. You're strong, the TYT audience, make a difference in the midterm elections as you always do. Help progressives get elected, make sure our priorities and values are heard. We've done it before, let's keep doing it. Uh, support the mission, drive change. TYT.com forward slash canvas 2022, TYT.com forward slash canvas 2022. The big homie John is on the heels rising tomorrow. All right, that's April 12th, uh, make sure you tune in 9 a.m. Eastern time, 6 a.m. Pacific time. Fun, fun stuff. All right, here are the comments. We got Jojo H, uh, Chris Rock is going to take Uncle Phil's Bel Air estate from him. Sounds about right. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon, white blonde woman versus black man. Before I hear the story, I know how this turns out. Uh, Mickey C uh, also says, they couldn't obtain legal drugs to kill them, but I have no doubt that they have more than enough bullets. I'm surprised they're not trying to bring back hanging, especially for black men. Good point. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen would. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're going to feel free. Back off. I'm going to tell there's an African American man threatening my life. This woman is refusing to back up. She came and uh, pulled up right when I was making my turn. She refuses to make a right turn. So now I'm stuck because I can't back up because there are kids right here. I just need you to make a right turn right there. Okay, but you, you can't go out that exit right now. This is the front. Well, you're acting like one. Were you using foul language? That's inappropriate. All you have to do is back up, ma'am. Oh, this is. Petty Karen, okay, make that in your notebook, make the notation. Let's put up a picture full throttle. Uh, this is a proud Petty Karen. Look how happy she is in her car. I mean, she has on her oversized shades, she has her smile, and she's not moving. It doesn't matter how many people 
she inconveniences. All right, once again, we provide an opportunity at reflection for the sake of correction. This is typical, this is typical Karenicity behavior, nothing brand new about it. But I do find it interesting that even when virtually everyone in that local area said, damn it, Karen, you need to move. She refused to do so under an extreme amount of pressure. And if you realized, if you saw it, she actually said she's not a Karen before anybody accused her of being one. Now that's a new move. Jackson thoughts. Yeah, well, first, you know, let's point out the absurd level of selfishness to just remain parked right. there despite literally absurd. the entire parking lot. It really is absurd. And then also, you know, just it's like, what are you even fighting for? Like, just move. Don't you have somewhere to be? Uh, clearly, she doesn't. I mean, this she had absolutely nothing to do that day whatsoever. And you know, I hope we see the rest of the video, but <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Yeah, she she just she ended up moving eventually because literally the whole neighborhood pressured her to go. Right. But it's just like, man, what if you that know, was a man? If that was a man, he probably would have got pulled out the car and beat up. You know, when we say, you know, these Karens have nothing else to do, I actually beg to differ. I think this Karen had somewhere to be. I think <laughs> this Karen had somewhere to go. I think she needed to be on time. I think she had an actual destination. But when the opportunity to Karen is so damn strong, the Karenicity becomes the priority. I believe that these Karens do have other things to do in life. I do not believe they have nothing to do, but they prioritize what they prioritize. And when there's an opportunity to be a Karen, well, damn it, they're gonna be a Karen. Yeah, all right, I got something for everybody, double dose. You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're I feel free. Back off! I'm going to tell them there's an African-American man in my life. Back off, 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 back but there's a Karen lurking in the background. Here's what happened next. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Yes, the Karen was so offended by little black children running on the beach. How dare they? That she had to put her body in the way of them running to protect. I don't know. Jackson. <laughs> I was like, she's not even from here. Like, you, you're not even from this country. Like, what are you thinking? Like, you go, you go to different types of countries and you pull stuff like that, you never know what you're gonna get. You go to different neighborhoods and pull stuff like that, and you ain't from there, you don't know what you're gonna get. But then it's like you put your body in harm's way. It's not like you might as well just went and like pushed the kids down or something. And like, what if they stepped on you? Would you have been like, I was laying on the beach and here I was just chilling and they just ran and stepped on me? Like, just move. Like, yeah. she really thought that whole section was like, no, oh, this is mine. I don't want you here. Like, 
It's a whole damn beach. Right, a whole beach. A whole beach now. <laughs> we're not talking about a water park. Uh, we're talking about an entire beach. It ain't her backyard. It's not a backyard. These kids are having fun. Uh, and she simply could not stand it. <laughs> All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, a stick and stay. Welcome back, we got a lot of show left. Let me read some of these amazing comments. I will read as many as I can. Greyhound Dragon says, the opportunity to care and become so strong. Uh, laughing face, yes, that's right, that's what I said. V says, Beach Karen did the same move as Victoria's Secret Karen. Did you notice? Astute observation, let's log that in chapter five, okay? YouTube super chat, uh, Divine and Conquer says, the face, <laughs> talking about the Karen that's blocking the delivery truck. Uh, that face is ready to be used for a milk promotion. Dimensional mystic, kid jumped over her like he was in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Nicolette says, uh, I don't think this couch is putting your body on the line, LOL. Yeah, uh, Petty Karen is this ends mom says they love dying on ridiculous heels. Yeah, agnostic sister. To protect the sandy beach, I mean, you know what is? Let me let me say this to everybody: Don't try to understand a Karen. You will drive yourself mad and perhaps <laughs> become one. All right, so be very careful. Okay, this is good stuff. Anti Karens unite! You're screaming at employees at Walmart. Get out of here! Yeah, she got locked up. According to the report from woke video, that Karen initially called the police on black teenagers in the community, okay? This occurred in Kennesaw, Georgia last week, according to the narrative. And guess who the anti-Karens are? The police, they arrested the Karen. Now, we're still getting more details about this, I would love somebody for somebody to provide me more context, but that's the context we have so far out of Kennesaw, Georgia. It was her who initially called 911 and she ended up going to jail. I still don't understand why the police, why they were telling the teens to go in their apartment. I mean, Mr. Police Officer, this is amazing what's happening here. I think all children should have been outside of their apartment complex to witness something that rarely happens in America. A Karen getting her ass locked up. A beautiful day, all right? You want in, you want to increase copy community relations, lock up some more Karens. That's what you need to do. All right, Jackson, thoughts here? Yeah, so she had to have been tripping yeah. for them to have arrested her, all of them around there together. If she called the police, I mean, just off site, you come off old white lady calling police in a black neighborhood. 
No, I mean, the first thing they think and you know is that she's not the problem. So again, she had to have been belligerent, probably much of like how she was when they was arresting her. So yeah. who knows Who knows what was going on or if she was intoxicated or whatever. But, you know, again, like you really got to think about that. She, 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 she was messing up for them to have arrested her when she called the police. You know, and it's sad that we inherently know that because mm-hmm. if she was, for lack of a better word, normative, right, or uh, cooperating, this probably would not have happened, even though she may have deserved to get handcuffs. Uh, so something extreme must have taken place in order for her to be the one getting arrested. Okay, let me highlight something that happens more than you think. There's a black woman who had her home raided by the cops. They thought. Her boyfriend, or maybe perhaps her, were drug dealers. They were not. They were not drug dealers. They found no drugs, but they seized thousands of dollars and called it, um, you know, this is the money seizure for uh, evidence. Put up the picture of this young lady. They refused to give the money back, okay? Let's keep a picture up. They have now offered half of her money back. This is a New York business owner. She's fighting to have over $8,000 returned to her, but the government has decided to keep the money. Despite finding no drugs, no signs of criminal activity, a local Westchester County police squad seized and kept thousands of dollars found in a black woman's Rochester, New York home. After a year and a half, the money has not been returned to the entrepreneur. And she has aligned with a pro bono legal team to assist her in fighting to get her property back. Her name is Crystal Starling. Let's put a picture back up again, okay? This woman, saved $8,000 and some change, okay? She had it stolen by the police. She sold no drugs, nor was she ever connected to selling drugs. They still arrested the boyfriend. I'm gonna get into that in a minute. He was acquitted. You would think, okay, well, obviously they have to return everything, right? She's not guilty of any crimes, he's not guilty. They took money, they're gonna return the money. We have uncovered a sinister plot. In October 2020, members of the Rochester Police Department raided Crystal Starling and her then boyfriend's West Main Street apartment. Law enforcement suspected the man of selling drugs based on contraband found in another home, the DNC reports. After combing through the residence, officers were unable to find any narcotics but they found $8,040, seizing the funds as evidence. Two cars and arrested the boyfriend, believing he was a drug dealer. Now, you gotta understand <laughs> the level of insanity already presents, already presented here. They thought he was a drug dealer because there was contraband in another home. Not that they saw him transact a drug deal 
or there was a witness saying that he was a drug dealer or even a confidential informant who provided an affidavit saying this person sells drugs. They found contraband in another home, decided to raid a home that he was in and found no evidence of narcotics dealing whatsoever. <clears throat> but they still arrested him, seized the money as evidence, seized his vehicles and other things. He said, listen, I'm not guilty of any of this, there's more. Starling, the young lady was never accused of wrongdoing, even after her boyfriend was acquitted. And the two cars were returned, but not her money. I thought that was the standard here. Acquitted, not guilty. You get everything back, right? Well, in an attempt to get the money returned after the acquittal, she ran into several obstacles before connecting with the Nonprofit Institute for Justice. A libertarian organization that specializes in fighting such civil forfeiture cases. After trial, I tried to get my money back, Starling said. They sent me through this whole process of trying to get it through the courts and I still did not get it. Remember, this is her money. Federal prosecutors maintain they gave her direct notice about the procedure for getting her money back and she did not follow the rules. There's more. In a statement on their website, the Institute alleges the government never even tried to show that Crystal had done anything wrong. But it was able to take her money by tying her up in complicated legal procedures. Her new representation says, this is not an isolated situation. Many who have experienced forfeiture of money, particularly low amounts, get frustrated with the process and give up. Some don't see the benefit in acquiring a lawyer that they will have to pay to retrieve the money. But Starling did not give up. Rob Johnson, an attorney for the Institute said, this sort, this is sort of the typical case. So you mean to tell me that they can come take your money. After they take your money, they find out, well, you know what? We were actually wrong. You're not guilty of any crime. So our presumption of your guilt and then the arrest that followed was incorrect. They don't have to return your money, but they offered to give her half of it back. They don't. They don't have to return it unless you go through these legal hoops and loops, right? Okay, the average value of forfeiture cases is small. This is what the attorney says, meaning it doesn't make sense for most people to hire a lawyer, even if they could afford one. You don't think they know that? That's why they keep the money. And most civil forfeiture cases end with missed deadlines rather than a decision on the merits. The organization argues property owners are forced to run a procedural gauntlet and they lose by default if they make just a single mistake. You see the racket here? Do you see the racket? You have to file this this by this deadline, this by that deadline. You have to come to court to do this. You have to go to court to do that. People have lives, people have to live. This is money that you took, it's called theft. In any other arena, that's called theft, right? Okay, for Starling, it should have never it should never be this complicated. She believes since she did not do anything, nor was she charged with anything, she believes the money should be hers. The new strategy is to appeal the district court's decision to the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Now, let me tell you why this case is so important to follow. 
If they are successful, I'm talking about Miss Starling, if successful, it creates legal precedent, case law, a bona fide judicial solution that says the government cannot do this to citizens or even non-citizens. The property does not belong to them. Now remember the height of hypocrisy here, even though they claim, hey, she missed this deadline. And because of that, we get to keep the money. They still offered her half of it, she refused it. She said, either give me all of my money or give me my jury. Good for her, good for her. Do you know how many people took the deal? Plenty, I would dare say over 90%. You know how many individuals decided just let it go cause the amount was so small? Now, damn it, if you take 50 cent from me, I'm getting two quarters back. Better believe that. So I'm glad she's fighting this all the way to the appeals process in federal court. Because if successful, this case changes the law moving forward. Jackson, thoughts here? Yeah, so you know, this type of civil asset forfeiture, civil asset forfeiture in general is just arbitrary organized theft. That's all it is. And any types of, you know, systemic plots basically like this, whether it be put forth by law enforcement, or you look at big banks, you know, Wells Fargo on trial, things like that. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know how our bank stole $100 billion from people. You know what I'm saying? Like, and they play stupid when it's convenient for them to play stupid. Yet at the same time, these are supposed to be the people that we follow and trust. So all it is at the end of the day is people taking and keeping what they can. And obviously they have all these roadblocks in place because Unless they take something significant from someone who really can get it back relatively easily because they have more power, then you know what you're gonna do about it. So yep. that's basically all it is. Worst wife in America. Nope, not Jada. Jenny. Jenny Damn Thomas. Once again, wife of Clarence Thomas. We've been talking about Jenny Thomas. For what, three or four weeks straight? Because not only was she involved in the terrorist attack, not only did she come in disguise on January 6th, not only did she try to manipulate the chief of staff for Donald Trump to overturn the election, she was trying to stack the staff at the White House. And the list, well, let's just say not really a who's who in America. A CNN report coming out Sunday, this is so interesting. Multiple sources on the receiving end of such pleas recall that several candidates who Thomas sought to install in the administration had previously failed background checks or turned down lower level positions that they were ultimately offered, said the report. According to one former official, there was one candidate of Thomas who didn't believe women should serve in the US military. So Jenny, Jenny Thomas, the wife of a Supreme Court justice is involved in activism, that's fine. But trying to overthrow the election, that's not fine. And the irony of this, her husband is the only dissent on a case about January 6th. He's the only Supreme Court justice who dissented with the other justices and his dissent happens to be aligned to her sentiment. You call that a, you know, 
Okay. All right, there's more. There were other uh, there were others of Thomas's recommendations that had inappropriate things posted to the social media accounts. There was good reason they did not get hired according to a form official. Now, if you are a conservative and you could not, could not get a job under the Trump administration because of your background, well, there's more. Uh, several recall Jenny Thomas bringing up staff shakeups when she came with Justice Thomas to a private lunch with Trump and Melania. Yep, they went and had a private lunch together. Sources told CNN that during the lunch, Jenny Thomas told Trump that she knew about several candidates for administration jobs. And Trump asked her to follow up with his staff, said the report. In the weeks that followed, she tried to follow up, but A's delayed her demands out of fear she would kill Trump's criminal justice reform bill. Damn, she's strong. She can kill the whole bill, wow. She then told both Trump and his daughter Ivanka that the deep state was blocking her list of hiring and firing. What? Jenny, this is going too damn far, madam. You are not in charge of hiring and firing at the White House. All right, what gave you that idea? Do you believe that you're part of some occultic organization that gives you secret powers over those in authority and those around you in the US government and beyond. Do you belong to a cult like that? Well, she actually did at one time. Here's the clip. Hi, I was in Life Spring and I was what I considered to be deprogrammed and I was Some people just about that cult life, okay? Jenny Thomas, someone who believes in the sentiment of QAnon, has expressed conspiracy theories, told the chief of a staff for Donald Trump that he needed to overturn the election because God wanted him to. She put this in writing, really. That's a cult-like behavior, Jenny. All of this is occultic, okay? Um, Top aides had briefed Trump before his meeting with Thomas and informed him that there were problems with the candidate she was pushing, said officials speaking to CNN. One of the former officials said they were afraid that Trump would have been easily persuaded by Jenny Thomas suggestions if they had not briefed him beforehand. Yeah, Jenny damn Thomas, who would have thought that this white woman is running not only the Supreme Court, but the Trump administration. All right, Jackson thoughts. Yeah, so you know, up until recently, I didn't even know who Jenny Thomas was. 
And even as the story kind of progressed out more and more, I still didn't pay much attention to it because there's just so much going on. But the more like it kept coming out and it's like, the hell? Like, who is this woman? Like, what is going on? Like, this really goes to show like who really can be, you know, just having strong influence under the scenes, people that yeah. you never really have seen, especially like in those, you know, revolving door positions within government. Not that she was in one officially or specifically, but she has this type of influence. And again, I, I didn't even know who she was up until recently. So, yeah. but again, you know, if you can't get a job in the Trump administration because of your background, like you said, then man. Oh. And, and here's the other thing, Jackson. These are the conversations we somewhat know about because people have decided to go on record. I'm sure Jenny Thomas has been moving like this for many years. Oh, and yeah. I'm sure that some of her, um, that some of her recommendations and some of her push and pull has actually made a real impact inside of government. I believe wholly in a negative way, but I think she has gotten things accomplished by her advocacy. And remember, she has this significant connection to a sitting United States Supreme Court justice, which makes it all the more problematic of her stealth movement, not only inside of the White House, but also outside of the White House. And now we have text messages that clearly link Jenny Thomas, wife of a Supreme Court justice to the terrorist attack on January 6th. All right, dear brother, always good to have you on the show. Tell people how they can follow you and check out your great work. Oh yeah, absolutely appreciate you for having me on like always. Check me out on Rebel HQ, I drop videos Monday through Friday just covering policy. And I'm also co-host on a variety of the TYT networks. And you know, again, it's always good to be here with you. Looking forward to next time. Same here, always a pleasure. Thank you, brother. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember, the truth is always indisputable.